Here are the highlights from the latest episode of Free Talk Live. Visit freetalklive.com for the full episode. With you in the studio, it's Ian. Beakless Mountaineer. And the Reverend Captain Kickass. Well, I think we should start with this, Captain. You said it was a really short story about Facebook, which I I guess fewer people are using now than ever. Uh, Young people have, uh, as I understand it, migrated mostly off of Facebook. Yeah, but this includes Instagram. Oh, okay. Yeah. There are a lot of people using Instagram, as I understand. So whatever it's it's Meta's thing, mm-hmm. Meta has made this decision. And this is a decision to take down news from a certain, well, entire nationwide audience. Well, the Canadians, eh? Mm-hmm. What's that all about? I don't know. You tell me. Uh, from Sue Today, SOOtoday.com. All news in Canada will be removed from Facebook and Instagram within weeks, according mm-hmm. to Meta. The company says it's removing news for all Canadian users over the course of the next few weeks. Meta says it's officially moving to end news access for Canadians on its Facebook and Instagram platforms. The company says it's removing news for all Canadian users over the course of the next few weeks. Meta was previously running a test that limited news for up to 5% of its users and now says it's moving out of the testing phase. Uh, This means that links to news articles and other content posted by Canadian publishers and broadcasters will no longer be viewable to people accessing the social media platforms in Canada. Okay, so it is specifically targeting Canadian broadcasters. Yes. Okay. Canadian publishers and broadcasters Mm -hmm. is what this article says. Well, and it sounds like uh, consumers as well. Well, so it will no longer be available to those consuming it. Right. In so Canada. if I go to you know a Canadian news website and I see an article that I think is interesting to myself and you know whoever's on my Facebook page, for example, and I go, oh, I'm going to repost this. Nope, they're mm. not going to allow it. Right. Mm-hmm. Not allowed. Can't repost news links mm. or or any. And it says publishers and broadcasters. So I don't know how broad that brush is. What constitutes a publisher? Is it I just, they just news have a list, publishers? You know, a list of all the Canadian newspapers, all the Canadian television. Of course, CBC is one of the big ones. That's yeah. actually the government-run broadcast. But what about what about uh, you know citizen journalists, for example? That's a good question, right? Yeah. Like, uh, like I know uh, uh, Luke Rutkowski, mm-hmm. right? He, uh, yeah, he never went to school or anything. He just was like, okay, I'm a press guy, and like you know, got filled out a form, got himself a press badge, and like, okay, now he's the press. So like, how does that? you know, fly in, in Canada. Yeah, anyone, at least in the United States, I don't know about Canada's rules when it comes to freedom of the press, but here in the U.S., you are the press if you say you're the press. Right. If you want to be the press, then, you know, you don't have to have a camera. You can. I mean, everybody's got one now if you've got a smartphone in, right. your, in your pocket. So, yeah. you know, you record audio, you want to record video, you've got, you literally have a multimedia uh, press creating machine in your pocket with you at all times. But even if you didn't have that, you could still just make some notes or whatever, and you're still the press. You know, and you probably don't even have to do anything like that. You could just—it's in your head. You you witnessed it, so you can talk about it. Right. Um, I, but you you ask a good question, Captain. Are they? I imagine they're going to stand uh, start out with a list of the big media. Probably like they're the easy ones. The Canadian find. equivalent to like NBC, ABC, CBS. Yeah, there's some, there's the, some newspapers. The CBC. In, CBC that, is yeah. huge, but there's also some papers in all the big cities, so they'll probably ban all of those. And then maybe anybody that's complaining, you know, uh, about other what about like sites? small town newspapers and stuff. Like, uh, I know? think they're probably going to just they're going to think, okay, how likely is this to get me sued? 
Because all of this is because of a, a law change, right? It is. Uh, Meta says it's defining such content based on how it's defined in the liberal government's Online News Act. Now, I didn't look up the Online mm. News Act, okay. so I don't have that in front of me. But that became law earlier this summer. I think we talked about it I d- I don't at recall some that. point. Maybe I wasn't here. Uh, yeah, so they're just probably going to figure out, okay, what is the probability that they will sue us? What is the probability they'll win? And how much is that going to cost us? So if this passes in California, I wonder if uh, Facebook will start getting really specific about DNS servers. Because like mm-hmm. uh, right now, they'll they'll do different enforcements based on whether this is coming out of uh, the U.S. or coming out of Brazil or whatever. Yeah. Uh, will they start doing that for state by state at this point? They could. Or like the nightmare scenario here is that you end up where there's just this complete chilling effect through the entire country. So that, oh, sorry, you're a U.S. user. We've got to make sure that you are following the California laws. We don't want to get sued by Californian companies. Well, and for the moment, anyway, if the Canadian one passed, well, it sounds like the Canadian one's already passed. It's done. And, deal, and they're yeah. just yeah. going to do this now. They're just going to yep. strip the news from all Canadian users. If you're in Canada, by the way, or you're Canadian or you're going to Canada and you want to get around this, VPN is your friend. Uh, and that's, you know, the way. To, to get around this for the moment, you could choose a VPN that's like in the United States, for example, and then you could go see your Canadian news. Doesn't uh, the, hold on, doesn't the Facebook require some kind of ID these days, or is that not a thing? No. Some, didn't they I try to ID you at one oh, point? Oh, they did, yeah, but I fought them hard and I won. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, if your ID's on the record of being Canadian, then maybe it doesn't matter where you're logging in from. That's true. Uh, I, I can tell you from personal experience that... Uh, I've been using VPN, particularly mm-hmm. on my phone, and occasionally I'll I'll hit the Facebook uh, on the web browser because I don't use their app at right. all. Good for you. <sighs> Screw that. I mean, right. yeah. Uh, and I could tell you that when I use a VPN from another city, at least, or another state anyway, mm-hmm. that I suddenly get advertisements from that state. Okay. Mm-hmm. So their advertising is at least... IP, IP specific, yeah. right? So if I choose a, an I, a VPN from like Texas or something, all of a sudden I'm getting like, you know, Hooters in Texas ads or whatever, that kind of a thing in my Facebook feed. So I know that that's, and then like also if I choose uh, like a foreign country, uh, you know, like, I don't know, the Netherlands or Sweden or something like that, uh, I will get a whole different set of advertisements uh, and also the, the, the way the scrolling changes, like the the people and the posts that I see change dramatically mm. depending on what VPN I select. So I can only assume that they're using old school technology. They're identifying your IP address and going, oh, this guy's not in Canada. Mm-hmm. This guy is in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that's how they're limiting this stuff. Good chance of it. Well, I wonder if this is going to end up being a, a much worse and worse enforcement where they go, oh, well, your government has decided this is the news that you need. So this is what we'll show you, mm-hmm. not even based on your IP, but based on, like you were saying, you have to show ID to create Facebook uh, profiles at this point. At least that that's the last I heard was that. I you, don't know. Yeah, to to yeah. my knowledge, uh, they don't require anything up front. You, all you need is an email address. You can create okay. a new Facebook page. That's the way Facebook has mm-hmm. always been, right. to my knowledge hasn't changed as far as i'm aware uh and i actually whenever they did try and like be like you need to show identification they never said that you need to show government id Mm -hmm. they just said that you need to show some sort of id so i sent them all the stuff right i sent them uh, my ordination right Mm -hmm. Uh, captain kickass is a ordained minister in the church of spiritual humanism Mm -hmm. i sent them uh i was a promoter for some shows so i had backstage passes 
that says Captain Kickass <laughs> Promoter Backstage Pass, right? Nice. All this kind of thing. I uh, I showed him a press pass, mm-hmm. right? right. Uh, and Captain Kickass was the press agent. That kind and of worked. Well, I had to do some nefarious things. So, hundred uh, percent uh, honesty. What I did is I went to the corporate page of Facebook. <laughs> I found all of their corporate officers, first and last names, from their mm-hmm. board of directors uh, all the way into like their CFO, their CEO, their CTO, all that kind of stuff. I'm giving away the secret, Captain. And, secret. and I went and I created Facebook pages for each one of them with their <laughs> names. And then I grabbed a screenshot of their Facebook profile photo and uploaded that. And then I messaged them from the fake Facebook page. So I messaged, you know, it would be like you getting a message mm-hmm. from yourself. You're like, what? Mm-hmm. And then my story, right? You know, here's what's going on with my account. You guys Just cut to get me them off. To read it. You guys mm. cut me off. People think I'm dead because, like, I was swooped up in this algorithm where they were trying to like eliminate inauthentic names, right? Mm. So uh, I got cut out. A whole bunch of uh, like drag queens got cut out. A whole bunch of like Sioux Indians mm. uh, whose uh, mm. American translations are like you know Jimmy Two Bulls, right. right? That kind of a thing where it's like legit names, but like the algorithm was yep. like that's fake. That's fake, right? So. You know, I, I had my story like that. Plus, I went and I found out the email alias of Facebook. Mm-hmm. So a lot of uh, corporations will have a set format for their email addresses. So maybe it's first dot last right. at Facebook.com, for example. So, well, I already know the first name and last name of all their corporate people. Mm-hmm. So now I can just BCC an email from the email address from my account to all of these people whose addresses, you know, that are new Facebook pages I've created that are fake. And like, I just, I was just loud, right? I just annoyed the hell out of them for, I don't even know, man, several weeks. I presume this is true in Canada as well, but in the U.S., a lot of people have grown to distrust the mainstream media publications out there. The television news. As well they should. Uh, the radio, you know, mainstream media stuff is uh, questionable to a lot of folks. And and like you said, it's about damn time that people were starting to question what they're being told. And so if they're questioning it, they're less likely to pay for it. That's for sure. And yeah. so, of course, uh, newspapers, uh, it's been sort of like this perfect storm of uh, destruction for them where – one, they're dealing with internet competition they never had to deal with before. That used to be that they were the king of their geographic dominion. Right? Don't you know who I am? I'm with the news. Right. I mean, right. there might have been a news talk station in town to, quote, compete with in in some markets. But for the most part, the newspaper was who you turned to yeah. until television you know, came around. So for a while, they had radio and TV to compete with. But it was still like the Troika, right? Like the three, they were the dominant. And then all of a sudden, internet comes in. And, and like we were talking about before, anybody with a smartphone or a notepad yep. uh, can can jump into the news competition. And now they literally have thousands of competitors from all over the world, and they they can't deal with that. And you kind of touched on this, Captain. The these old media companies they're dinosaurs. Yeah. They are not quick to change. They're slow as, as molasses at this stuff, and they suck at it when they try it. So mm. when they so like the the New York Times and a lot of these other major print publications have tried to go to a pay model, and it's been a disaster. <laughs> the paywalls are just a joke. Most of them are a joke. Most of them of potsy like proportions.
Honestly, I think they're coming to terms with the fact that people are starting to actually grow up, realize that life is complicated and messy. So this idea of I, the authority, will tell you, the child, what is going on in the real world. This is what is actually happening. I have Mm. all the facts. Instead of things are happening. Here's what it looks like to me. What do you Mm -hmm. think? Yeah, well, how the, about the, you, the conversation, the discovery of reality that adults do? How about you hire some, you know, journalists with journalistic integrity and let them go mm. at it, like just let do them their go at it, do their yeah. job, right? Instead of like, no, 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 we can't print that. That's too racy for our publication. We don't mm. want to offend the or, politicians, or most of our readers are the X. We don't want to offend them yeah. by running an article that offends people of mm. X. Well, and then you have to pay all those actual journalists for actually reporting the news, like going out and finding information when you could just have the government tell you what's going on and just be a mouthpiece for them. Some time ago, at least in the United States of America, probably before I was born or or just before, so more than 50 years ago now, I guess, uh, the news was just sort of like a public service. That these television stations, it was a, a loss for them to, to have the news. Mm-hmm. It was not a revenue generator mm-hmm. at all. It was just something oh. that they did because they felt like they needed to, you know, get the news out to well, people. they wanted you to tune in. They did want you to right? tune in, of course. But, like, it was a, a financial loss for them to have wow, a news I didn't broadcast. Know and somewhere along the line, you know, uh, somebody discovered, hey, if it bleeds, it leads. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know... We can get some ad revenue off of this thing. And so now the mainstream media has become as, uh, I don't know what the right word is, as demented uh, as it is currently. Hmm. Well, I'm not going to blame advertising for uh, the corruption no, no, in, in no, news. It, but... No, no, it's... Well, I think there is definitely some part to play. So, for example, like uh, how many shows were brought to you by Pfizer? Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I really think to a certain extent they've come full circle on television. So like, uh, you know, they're called soap operas because it was literally soap companies mm. that would put on programs. Because all the moms were watching. Right. Uh-huh. To, to be something interesting and entertaining so that they could get you to watch their, their commercial for by their soap. Paul Olive or uh-huh. Borax right. or they're, Johnson & Johnson. Right. They're, they're in the middle of the show. They'd have the, the actors turn and be like, but really what I love is Tide. <laughs> have you tried Tide? <laughs> Did that really happen? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You can go watch uh, absolutely. old clips and stuff. Yeah. And, and news has basically come full circle on that, uh-huh. where like so much of the programming is literally brought to you by Pfizer. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they're not going to say anything that would ever make Pfizer look bad. This is right. true. And they will absolutely push everything that makes Pfizer an obscene amount of money. And now all of the mainstream media companies just regurgitate press releases that are fed to them by government. This Buffy Wicks, who was the sponsor of the Journalism Prevention Act, sorry, Preservation Act, maybe that was uh, <laughs> a little Freudian, Freudian slip, slip there. there, yeah, because as we've as we've learned, what this is actually doing is it's going to harm the media companies they're supposed to help by not even allowing them to have exposure on one of the most active social media websites yeah. out there. She says. As news consumption has moved online, community news outlets have been downsized and are closing at an alarming rate, she says. So this is her plan to try to save, quote-unquote, local media. Now, as Meta pointed out, this is actually going to benefit the big corporate players more so than the local media uh, people. 
But she's not wrong that old media has been dying off. Mm -hmm. And especially when it comes to print old media. So the real question that people should be asking themselves, particularly if you're Canadian or Californian, is why does government think old media is worth saving? Because it's easily controlled. Mm -hmm. They already know all the editors and the, the owners. They have them in their pocket and vice versa. It's the old boys club. And they don't like having the uh, internet competitors mm -hmm. jumping into the game. And importantly, it's still somewhat trusted by people. I mean, sure, it's lost a lot of its trust. I mean, you know, mostly from, like, lying us into a disastrous, never-ending Middle Eastern war, for I example. I was there. Right? <laughs> was that but, Brian? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was yeah. his name? Yeah. Uh, being shot at in the helicopter. <laughs> yeah. uh, right. Anyway, they still haven't lost all all of their credibility so these these you know failing media giants still have some credibility left at the bottom of the barrel and they're completely controlled by government so of course they're going to be propped up by government exactly so that they can keep the their controlled media and hold on to whatever little scrap of believability they have in their narrative. You know what was a surprise to me, and this was years ago, uh, here in New Hampshire, there was an an Upper Valley newspaper, and I'm sorry, I don't remember which town, I think it might have been like Charlestown or mm -hmm. something like that, a little town in New Hampshire, somewhere north of where we are here in Keene, and their paper was failing, it was going to go out of business, and the state came in, and literally rescued this paper. The state of New Hampshire? The state of New Hampshire actually Ooh. rescued this paper. And the excuse was... What do you mean by rescue? Like somehow kept it alive. Somehow mm. pumped, some money, money, yeah, pumped some money into it to keep them alive. I don't know if they're still alive because, again, this was like yeah. years ago. I'll have to try to figure out which one it was and see what's going on. But they, they pumped some taxpayer money into this newspaper on the excuse that, oh, well... All these old laws that we have require that you post a public notice, right? Like if you're going to, uh, you know, uh, open a business or whatever it is, there's certain things that you've got to post a public notice in the classified section of the local paper of renown or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so if the paper goes out of business, like when they wrote these there's laws. There's no paper of record for right, New Hampshire. That's it. You yeah, could just print it. something out and pin it up to the bulletin board, actual physical is an bulletin option. board yeah. in your local library. That's true. That actually usually is an option for public notice. Or the you're post right. office or your town clerk. But that was the, one of the excuses that yeah. they used. And, of course, the other excuse hey, is, well, we'll lose our local what, news, you know. I, I just thought about something. Uh, what happens to these media companies, these news companies, uh, to their Facebook pages or Instagram pages if they have them? I guess they just can't post anything newsy mm -hmm. to them anymore. Like, I mean, do they cut them off? Do they? I don't know. It's a good question. You know, because well, you know they have them. I can go to mm -hmm. the Facebook page of any, you know, news company. Mm -hmm. Right or any local television station that has one, Channel Seven, Channel I don't even know the channels around. Well, are they going to be prohibited from posting the news, or only that the viewers in Canada are prohibited from seeing their posts? Well, that's mm -hmm. a good question. Well, another possibility for all of this is that they just turn off the advertisers. So, okay, you are whichever you know recognized official Canadian presser, yeah, and you have a Facebook page. Okay, well, we just won't advertise on your Facebook page. Go ahead, Major. But. Uh, Hey, guys, good evening. Hey, what's on your mind? Yeah, I just had a thought on how these old dinosaur paper companies might be able to revive their image a little bit. Okay. You guys probably aren't familiar with it, but they used to make a gizmo that you could take regular black and white newspaper and make logs out of it. 
you crank it and it wraps them up and you put a couple of big bread ties around it and you can make a newspaper pile of fire logs. Right, before Duraflame. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, but these uh, these ads they have now, this glossy paper that the Sunday and, and weekend editions are just overloaded with and will pretty near kill a paper boy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Buddy of mine used to do the free press. I did the Ipsy press. Those, those free presses, the Sunday paper would kill you. You had to have a wagon or a bicycle or something. Oh, yeah. But anyway, that glazed paper doesn't burn. That that somehow some that glaze I don't know what that glazing's made of, but mm. I don't reckon it recycles worth of beans either because it, it you know, does, but it's not nearly as recyclable as it used to be. Also, too, uh, one of the early survival techniques that I learned was uh, newspaper is a hell of an insulator, and in fact. In some of the older homes, I'm surprised it's not talked about here in the New England it's area. It's in the walls. It's in the walls. Mm-hmm. They used old newspapers for insulation because it was a readily available substance. Right, and you just throw it away. Otherwise, everybody just throws them away or whatever, burns them or whatever. I've torn mm-hmm. down, down a lot of houses or you know remodeled or whatever that had newspapers in the wall. They also used to use a lot of red oak leaves because those don't break down either. Mm-hmm. Red oak is a very uh, rot-resistant wood. And I guess the leaves have the same tendency to them. The bugs don't like them, and, you know, it's good, good. Well, Major, i got to tell you, but, uh, I have found it absolutely terrible to burn those papers. I mean, they smell absolutely awful. Uh, they make a lot of smoke. They'll burn fast, at least, but uh, it's not real good for that purpose either. Yeah, if you if you put a stack of them in a burn barrel or whatever, you got to go keep stirring that thing, right, and then cause... you end up with... Like three times the ash you would normally out of a you yeah. know, standard wood product. Well, paper if it's just layered on top of paper is not going to burn well because you got to get some surface area. Yeah, you got to get oxygen it, in there. It needs, it needs a little air, right? Uh, Major, you're one of our. I would say you know you're one of our older callers. Uh, you know what are you in your fifties, sixties? I'm over sixty. Over sixty. Do you still read the newspaper? I haven't been a subscriber to the newspaper. Ever that I can think of. Ever. Okay. All right. Uh, one of the I households. Used I used to deliver it and make money off of them when I was a kid. That's but funny. no, I've never uh, subscribed. You uh, never got high on your own supply then, basically. Oh, nice. Yeah. One of the households I grew up in uh, subscribed to the newspaper daily and weekly. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other day I was at home in, in the John, you know, doing the John thing. And I got my phone in my hand, as many people do. Right. And it occurred to me that before the cell phone... There would just be a giant stack of newspapers in front of me, <laughs> right? Who, whoever owned the place, you know, that's where the papers went. And so you could be like, what was that article I read last Tuesday? You could like thumb through them and like get down to like, oh, yeah, here's last Tuesday's mm-hmm. paper or whatever and find the article you wanted to read out of it. And so it's weird yeah, that like like people still yeah, read the news or whatever, but like, you know, now it's just on your phone instead of, you know, physically in front of you. Well, you, you could tell who ruled the throne in the house when you went into the bathroom. I mean, was there field and streams and popular mechanics in there, or was there good housekeeping? Mm-hmm. Right. Was it? Yeah, popular mechanics. I'm trying to think of uh, some of the other ones that used to be there. I used to have the onion oh. here oh, at the, the bathroom nice. here, back when they had the print version of the onion, but they stopped mm. printing it in like 2011 or something like that. Soldier of Fortune was one I remember. I, you know, we've we've been pretty hard on newspapers, but I gotta I gotta say one really really nice thing, one thing that they have that is absolutely superior to modern media. You can't change it from a distance. 
So if they print oh, this story yeah. and you read this story, mm-hmm. like you can, if you feel like it, hold on to that sucker and they will never be able to change Can't one be undone. single little piece of that story. And you can show that to other people. True. Whereas these days, like not only will they change what is the content, they will change the metadata to sure. show that they never changed the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the larger newspapers, uh, I, I know of one particular, I'm not going to name it because I want to give them any publicity, but they would run an early edition of the Sunday paper on mm. Saturday. Mm. So you could pick up your Sunday edition like late on a Saturday evening mm-hmm. at your local apothecary or get it home delivered or whatever. And occasionally... News from the future. Yeah, and occasionally <laughs> the late or the later Sunday, actual Sunday edition, uh, would have either a different story mm-hmm. or they would change the headline slightly mm-hmm. to adjust for whatever faux pas they may have committed. It could be new information. Mm-hmm. It could be in, new information. Know. but And then eventually they adjusted to, like, regional stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, well, this is, like, uh, you know, if you're a big city but, like, you're delivering to other states that are near the big city, uh, they'll make a different version for, like, the state nearby instead of the state that the city is in. Mm-hmm. So they adjusted to that. So, like, the headlines will be slightly different. So if you pick up, like, uh, I don't know, like a New York Times, you know, in, uh, I don't know, New Hampshire, for example, it might be different mm, than, if you picked okay. it, than if you picked it up in New York. Let's go to a former uh, guy that worked in the news business. Dave Ridley is on the line. As I recall, Dave, and I know you were calling for a different reason. We can get to that in a moment. But uh, you used to work at a Boston television station as an editor back in the day. And I I presume other places prior to that. Uh, You know, do you care to weigh in at all on the consolidation and the sort of the failing of the, the news business? Yeah, I was just a video editor. I wasn't like a um, you know an assignment editor or anything high up. Um, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just it's just yet another nail in the coffin, I guess. It's just it's just what's for me is just sad. Is just harder and harder to get a piece of information out. You know, when I first moved to New Hampshire in '04, I couldn't wait to write my first letter to the editor. You know, and I wrote a lot of letters to the editor, and they always seemed to get published. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there were lots of ways to get information out web forums, talk radio, everything. <laughs> Other than talk radio, all of these things seem to have attrited. Yeah, that's an, that's a good point. I know that you've personally suffered uh, the sort of the restrictions that have been put in place on some of these online platforms, YouTube, for instance. Uh, did they delete your channel entirely, or did you just get demonetized on, on YouTube? I was never monetized. I had... Uh, you know, advertisers uh-huh. would advertise with me directly, and of mm-hmm. course, you were one of my advertisers, so I didn't need or sign up for any for YouTube to pay me anything. Right. Uh, but in 2020, they started taking down my videos, mm. and uh, some of them, and they said if they if I get too many strikes in a week, they'll take down everything. So I figured, well, they're going to keep giving me strikes because mm-hmm. they're going to strike older and older videos. Mm-hmm. So if I just put nothing up, that will make the channel stay up for longer. Uh, so I had to stop uploading around 2021, I guess. So the Ridley Report and channel is still on YouTube, but is not receiving new content, is what you're saying? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. youtube.com slash Ridley Report. But and, you and also Ridley moved Report. over to some other places, right? You're on uh, Odyssey, and uh, what's the other big one that, that you're on? Uh, BitChute. BitChute, okay. All right. But, it, 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 but it's not practical. I, I, I can only get about 200 hits per video or 300 hits. Mm-hmm. Or so, so it's just not worth shooting the videos. Uh. Um, 
And um, so that's been that's been the case for a couple of years. And so it's, that's the thing, you know, as as these uh, institutions have been dying like papers, well, you would just expect, of course, something else is going to come up in their place. And there was something in their place that worked even better, and it was called YouTube. Mm-hmm. It was old YouTube, and it was an easy way to get information out, and it was an easy way to get information in. Um, and they've made it difficult, of course, to get information out, and it's difficult, also more difficult than it used to be to watch YouTube because there's so many uh, interruptions and ads and stuff like that and mm-hmm. demands that you sign in or what. So they, they took the, they took the thing that was the one thing that was working and you know, they destroyed it and it wasn't, I, you know, I don't, it's not just YouTube that destroyed themselves. It was the federal government that, that was, was a large part of that. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting that we went from, uh, you know, a relatively unmolested platform to one that is highly controlled, highly, uh, restrictive on the content that can be shared there. And, and it's, it's sad to see, you know, you, Dave, who were such a prolific producer, uh, there are so many people who, when you talk to them about moving to New Hampshire, like, you know, if you're just talking to people at like the Porcupine Freedom Festival yeah. and you say, what was it that brought you to New Hampshire? So many of them will say the Ridley Report, right. Dave Ridley, and then they'll like chime out with one of your little tunes that you do because you do these little songs for your <laughs> advertisers. And uh, it's just the the videos you've done have been so meaningful to people over the years. It's it's a shame to see them go away uh, simply because you aren't you don't feel like they're in a place or that, that they can be put in a place where they can get enough attention where they're monetized. But I mean, I want to ask you this on, on the, on this point though, Ridley, I mean, when you first started on YouTube, you surely were only getting a few dozen views per, uh, per video, right? Like you had to start from zero. So there must've been a time at which a couple hundred views would have been pretty good for you. Right? No, I, yeah. I, I, I was thinking about this the other day, uh, when I, it only took a couple of weeks to get to a point where I was getting thousands of hits per, hit per wow. video, uh, maybe, maybe a month. But um, the uh, you know, there was, the there heavy was metal musician in have... me is totally jealous because, like, you know, getting hits for something yeah. like I'd be happy with a couple hundred right. hits on something that I put up. Like, I do that all the time. I put stuff up and it gets a few hundred hits. It's just like you just move on and that's yeah. fine. And, and that's the way it is. I, but I get it. You know, your time's your time's valuable. You're used to getting a certain amount of, uh, of views or whatever. And maybe it's because you were so early in. Maybe that's a factor where, you know, Ridley, you were one of the uh, earliest, I would say, producers on YouTube back in. Uh, when did you start? Was was it like 2008 or seven or five? When was it? 2007. Okay. Yeah, so that's pretty early for for YouTube days. That's like just after I think uh Google had made the the purchase of the platform around that that same time frame. So maybe it was simply because there weren't as many producers on there. And nowadays, every, like we were saying, anybody who wants to can go and try to make it. But the problem is there's so much content, it, it just buries well, everything. How do you I mean, understand stand that, out? In my opinion, Ridley's an artist and he's entertaining mm-hmm. uh, with his content. And so this is why they you know, started giving him strikes and that kind of thing. Right. That this man is dangerous because not only does he have a message which rings true to a bunch of people... But he's entertaining about it in the process, mm-hmm. and that's a rare combination to have. Well, I just wanted to uh, sort of continue my little series, which I call uh, this this year in in uh, free state history, uh, and okay. tell you a couple of the, the things that kind of following twenty years ago, two thousand three, what happened in our movement that was interesting twenty years ago that people are now forgetting, and 
I'm trying to make sure it gets removed. You're referring to the Free State um, Project, which, of course, is the migration of roughly 20,000 people. Hopefully someday. I don't think we've hit that number yet. Uh, but there have been 20,000 people who have signed a pledge to move to New Hampshire yep. together and to uh, work towards more freedom in our lifetime. It's a great little project. It's the reason the three of us are here in the studio tonight. We actually have The Free State, or Free State, the documentary film that's actually shooting in the studio. So it's a good topic, uh, timely topic, Ridley. What uh, what was the history you wanted to share that happened in 2003 for the Free State Project? So there were, there were two things that happened, and I'm— I've had trouble finding records on this. So it could have been early 2004, but I, I believe it was mid or late 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, two very interesting things happened. One was that uh, I guess we had our first arrest of a person in our movement who was sort of arrested arrested in the line of duty. Really? And that was Tim Condon. He was trying to hand out flyers for the Free State Project at mm. a gun event. Where? And they arrested him. They arrested him for it. Where was this? Uh, I, was, I think it was in Florida. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, because Tim, I don't think, has ever moved to New Hampshire. He's always been an active supporter of the Free State Project. He's a, a supporter of Free Talk Live to some extent. And, in fact, he even wrote a letter to the judge in the Crypto 6 case. Nice. He's an attorney down in Florida. He's one of the earliest, I think, joiners of the Free State Project. It's but. surprising to me that somebody would join and then you know join the Free State Project, then also hand out flyers about the Free State Project at like, some gun moved. rally, but not make the move. That's weird. Yeah. Well, uh-huh. I think he has ties in Florida, but he has bought land a long time ago in New Hampshire. I don't know if mm. he still owns it or not, but... Uh, I didn't. I didn't even know that he had not moved in all these years. I thought he no. kind of at least kind of. Not that I'm here. aware of. At least the but, last time I spoke yeah. with him, which was a few weeks ago, he was still in Florida. Okay. Sounds like he hasn't put his money where his mouth is. Can you count a free stater getting arrested if they haven't actually moved to New Hampshire as an arrest related to the Free State Project? I mean, that seems like a stretch, Ridley. I think it's perfectly related. Right. Well, it's the I first one even tangentially related <laughs> to the Free State Project. We still have Kevin with us on the line in Florida listening to WVFT in Tallahassee. Wow, Kevin, what did you want to share so, tonight? Um, I will be quick because I know I tend to talk too much, but I never knew you could do that with Dash. You did that recently. I did, yeah. Couple days ago, I'm actually going to investigate Dash for crying out loud. I didn't know you could use <laughs> it like that. I will be looking into that. Um, I wanted to point out, like you gents were talking earlier tonight, about how paper news, I think the newspaper you're talking to might have been the Valley News. Because uh, years be. and years and years ago, when I was younger, there was a newspaper like that. that you're talking I, about just, to, just yeah. to bring our listeners up to speed, Kevin, you're referring to. There was a paper in the Upper Valley of New Hampshire yep. that was I going under, the and the, the government the stepped in. Upper Valley, right? Yes. The federal, or not? Sorry, not the federal, but the state government stepped in with taxpayer <laughs> money to bail them out. Simply because they were one of the primary newspapers that covered that mm-hmm. whole area of the Upper Valley from White River Junction, well, well over almost to uh, not Franconia, but 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 far enough. Anyways, um, the point that I wanted to make out is that anybody who's interested as you guys are, in bringing out the news and truth, you guys should know about the internetarchive.org oh, yeah. and gutenberg.org. Do you guys have gutenberg.org? I'm not familiar with um, gutenberg.org, but I do uh, know Gutenberg of the Internet Archive. a website mm-hmm. that has been putting books from the 1200s forward onto 
e-books. Right, it, because it, there's it, something yeah. about so uh, if something's right. old enough, there's no copyright and that kind of a thing, so they could put whatever. And there is all sorts of very, very interesting books from the reconstruction of the war between the states oh, and yeah. uh, 5440 or fight, which had to do with the Mexican war with the United States, the sovereign states, over yeah. Texas's entry. And many, many other books, all one need do is look. There's well over 60,000 texts there wow. that need to be read in order for people, men and women, to comprehend what's going on. What's the, the URL for that? Gutenberg. Gutenberg.org. Gutenberg.org, okay. yes. It's, uh, uh, they used to be called Project Gutenberg, but that's what it is. It's Gutenberg.org, and it's a group of volunteers that have been scanning stuff since it was a bulletin board at 115 kilobaud. Nice. So Damn. what I wanted to – what I, I used to use that myself. That's amazing. But to point out the value – of paper newspapers. Part of my research from 10, 20 years ago was an article that is older than me. This is August 1967. Your Concord Monitor from you guys' neck of the woods, so to speak. I granted it's Concord, but that's still mm -hmm. who you folks have to deal with. The article is from um, like August 4th or 5th because it references an advertisement for be guest at Sunday school on August the 6th of 1967. So this newspaper is older than I am. Mm -hmm. And it references an argument from the 1720s over the township of Rumford, which is what Concord was originally granted mm -hmm. from King George II to the settlers of the New Hampshire colony. And what happened was when there was a bunch of men and women, farmers in Bow, who wanted to keep their homes separate from Concord, which was Rumford at the time, the Rumford people went back to King George to argue the fact that they should be removed from their land and that their land should then become part of Concord, which was still Rumford at the point. This thing that I'm about to say is true. Mm -hmm. It used to be there were hundreds of bands selling millions of albums. Right. Now there's millions of bands selling hundreds, hundreds of, of albums. albums. Yeah, and if you can sell a thousand, it's like you're doing great, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so we were talking about Gannett, which is the number one news, quote unquote, company out there and how they've just basically slashed and burned and consolidated, taking over the number two company in 2019, then basically cutting their staff down by more than 50%. And there's just a few more numbers here that I thought were worthy of sharing from NeimanLab.org's report on just how bad it really is. Because you know these companies have been closing, right? Like businesses, newspapers have been, in many cases, going out of business entirely, not just slashing back, not just cutting back in some cases to three pr uh, papers per week, uh, which we've seen that happening in yep. major markets. But they point out here that also uh, Gannett, again, had, having eliminated more than half its jobs in four years, uh, it's as if merging, instead of merging America's two largest newspaper chains, one of them was simply wiped off the face of the earth. And that's a su cut substantially deeper than the rate of newspaper revenue decline. Why? Well, one reason is that in order to get the merger done, Gannett had to take out a giant loan at high interest rates. Can you imagine 
taking a loan out to buy a newspaper that's dying uh, right you're you, i mean just anyone at all getting into this particular business is like crazy mm-hmm. but to then take a loan out to do it it'd be it would be one thing if you were a millionaire or a billionaire or right. something and you know the keen sentinel is failing here in keen and you're like ah it's just a few million dollars. I'll rescue it. And then you just subsidize it for the rest yeah. of eternity. That would be one thing. But to go into debt to buy a newspaper, not just one newspaper, but literally hundreds of them. So I'm wondering why some of these, uh, like the smaller publications that are having tough times, like, why don't they go like the Patreon way? Right? Oh, some of them are. In fact, are uh, the, very, the very keen sentinel we were talking about has been begging for donations for ever since COVID. Okay, but like, I mean, use a platform, get your actual subscribers onto a platform, and then you can tell whether or not your content is, you know, pertinent to your subscriber base by, well, the subscribers. Right? Well, they have that. I mean, they have the online uh, paywall and the subscriptions and all that, but they actually have, besides just paying for a subscription, yeah. they've been doing fundraisers. Wow. Completely separate from paying for subscriptions. It's like, if you support local news, you should help keep us alive, basically, is what it's come down to. Uh, So Gannett, again, took out this huge loan, meaning hundreds of millions in revenues have had to be redirected to making debt payments. So to put it in perspective, in quarter four of 2022, digital subscriptions at Gannett newspapers, all of them in total, brought in $35.5 million. But the company spent more than that, $47.3 million, just on debt payments alone. And you can see this in the shrinkage in the number of newspapers that Gannett publishes. In 2019, post-merger, it owned 261 daily and 302 weekly newspapers. Three years later, by the end of 2022, those totals were 217 daily and 175 weekly newspapers. How does any business... Uh spend more than it takes in well i'm glad you asked like in this economy like i no 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 it's a it's a fair question but the way our entire monetary system works is you have to run faster and faster to stay where you are but that also means that you can do absurd things like have a negative earnings but you can qualify for more loans Mm. and as long as you qualify for more and more loans then not only can you can you maintain you can actually expand josie you're on free talk live go ahead hello hello i just wanted to tell you that it's gannett newspaper business uh oh i mispronounced uh gannett apparently the number yeah don't you can call them up if you don't believe me my husband was in the newspaper business however and I've heard it. I've if I called him, I wouldn't years. expect anyone to answer the phone. That's that's the only problem. It doesn't <laughs> seem like there's anyone problem, there. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I hope they do manage to stay in business. I am very much concerned that people are not being informed before elections, for example, or when they are deciding on who they want for their congressman or senator. Uh, I mean, I think people are often just voting because they the party and the party doesn't and the parties change mm-hmm. and they're not and the and the man that people want to kick out of some people want to kick him out um well we found that was people. true when our co-host uh, Aria Demezzo who's sadly now in a federal prison camp yeah. in Devons Massachusetts for the dastardly crime non-crime of uh, selling Bitcoin without a government permission slip. When she ran for office here as a candidate for sheriff, as a Republican, Uh she got a ton of votes in the Republican primary. She won the Republican primary uh, because she had an R next to her name, 
and they didn't know the Republicans had no idea they were voting for a tranny, uh, you know, a person yep. who, <laughs> you know, red hair is an anarchist and uh, an atheist or whatever. Yeah. You know, that's the problem. That is a problem. Satanist, what in the sorry. world are we going to do to get the, the people informed before they vote? It's well, just, here's I the think. thing, Josie. I mean, you said you hope Gannett or Gannett stays in business. But the problem is, even though they're in business, doesn't mean people are getting informed as the story. That's another problem. Yes. So the story it's, that we're pointing out here from NeimanLab.org is getting into the numbers about what's going on with this. The largest newspaper company that has. Well, they had hundreds of papers, but they've closed more than a hundred of them. Uh, is that they've they've slashed the staff down so low? There's literally hardly anyone working at these papers. So what you're seeing happen is the worst kind of syndication, where these quote unquote local papers yeah. are all being filled with content from the top, meaning that there's yeah. not really any local reporters anymore. Working That's not the beat. Local. That's just the problem. Yeah, exactly. Right. You're exactly right. Now we have the Richmond Times Dispatch here in Richmond. However, however, that's done is, I mean, when they say um, it, they don't have a person's name, the reporter who did the article, and the article would be some hard left something or other, mm-hmm. God knows where. And and they say um, I can't remember the name of what they use. They, it's a sort of a generalized name that they give. And that's not informing. Now we have people like John um, Fredericks here in the area, uh, and also he's buying newspapers in um, Pennsylvania and other places. And he wants to. He says he's trucking the truth. <laughs> John he, Fredericks well, is the owner. Like of, they, I happen to know the name. He's the owner of radio stations that we're on that that air Free Talk Live in Virginia that, and a couple of other states. And That's we're on right. his stations on the weekends uh, live. Yes. So well, I'm glad to hear that he's trying to breathe some life into. And for the regular, with regular, um, at least with the radio talk shows that he's have put together, um, that's good. Um, but if you're t- talking about newspapers, well, what he has made is um, like uh, virginiastar.com, but it's a dot com. But if mm-hmm. everybody, I don't have a computer. I don't do computers. I don't like them. I don't want to get the radiation. I don't want any of, anything to do with them, but I do mm-hmm. like the way uh, we used to do things. However, if but people are not going to uh, the star, uh, virginiastar.com or georgiastar.com. It's just... Uh, maybe they are some. So just to clarify, like he to is not printing an actual print paper? Exactly. Okay. Well, unfortunately, Josie, I mean, whether you like it or not, that's the direction things are going. And, I and agree. I agree. Gannett and these other companies that are trying to keep the old old ways alive are doomed, you know, for the old ways of doing things. It, it is, is never going to. It's gone. so nice to have something in front of you. And if you want to cut out an article and show it to somebody or whatever... It's just so nice. That I don't you disagree with you, actually. You I like the physical. I, I do disagree, thing. actually. Like mm-hmm. the the one advantage I find is that they can't remotely change the story on you. They're going to compare two numbers here, two sets. Quarter three of 2018. This was before they merged with the second largest news company. To then three years later, quarter three of 2022. Sorry, four years uh, later, quarter three of 2022. You're looking at. Huge declines. Detroit Free Press, 
from 217,000 subscribers to 103,000. That's a 52% decline in four years. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel is from your neck of the woods, right? It's pronounced Milwaukee Urinal. (laughs) It's a soft J. (laughs) Apparently, people have figured that one out because it went from 170,000 to 75,000, a more than 56% decline (laughs) in four years. Years. I'm just skipping some of these things, but the Des Moines Register down from 129,000 to 39,000 people in four years. That's a 69% decline. The Indianapolis Star down 74% from 196,000 to 50,000 from quarter three 2018 to quarter three 2022. Mm. This is the time frame that they're cutting back staff. And just being brutalized. What what do the de, what do the decline numbers in oh, telegram transmissions look like from you know eighteen hundred until now, right? Like it's oh, just quite a bit. It's a reflection yeah. of the tech, right? Yeah, it's it is. literally a reflection and, of the tech. Oh, and these newspapers I, should die if they're going. To. Yeah, and their readers remember, are dying so, off. So Denver had two main papers, right? Mm-hmm. And and they had somewhat different uh, political slants. They were both a little bit uh, a little bit lefty, but one was way more left than the other. Mm-hmm. And they would have, you know, different perspectives, and that would be kind of how people would, you know, th- those of us that care about such things would try to get a, a more a more balanced perspective on a given story. And I remember when they merged, and it was because the oh, wow. internet had come into place. How long ago was this? Oh, this was oh, like 20 years ago, honestly. So, yeah, it was because the internet had come out, and we had better ways of getting information, so these two were merging. And I remember that. I'm like, oh, this is this is a sea change, because yeah. mm-hmm. what had been at least at least on the surface, had been competition. And now, oh no, we're not even pretending that there is a competing narrative here. You mentioned, there is a uh, single narrative for Denver now. You mentioned the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's important about that in related in relation to what Peakless just mentioned, those used to be two different newspapers. Oh, it used also. to be the Milwaukee Journal and then the competing Milwaukee Sentinel. Sentinel. Oh. And they also merged mm-hmm. in the same way as the Denver newspapers did and became the Milwaukee Journal slash Sentinel. And so they actually provide another chart just by com- by means of comparison to look at non-Gannett papers, other mm. papers around the country that are, you know, not owned by this mega conglomerate. Uh, and just to give you an example, the Seattle Times, uh, Captain, where you used to live, is uh, only down 2.9% in that ta- uh, same four-year period. So mm. from 259,000 to 252. Some of them are down more significantly, like uh, the Miami Herald down about 40% from 122,000 to 73,000. But none of these other papers are 50, 60, 70% reductions. There may be 30 or 40. They're still dying. They're still going to, to perish. It's just not as bad. But he says, I haven't yet mentioned the most important Gannett paper. Okay. USA Today. Oh, yeah. In quarter three of 2018, USA Today reported a total daily circulation of 2.6 million. Yeah. In 2022, that was down to 180,000. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when USA Today was a brand new newspaper. Yeah. Like, like literally, there were commercials on television for it. They were like, now you can get the most new, you know, I don't know what their slogans were or whatever, but they had, you know, they would show on their television commercials the new shape and mm-hmm. design of their newspaper box. They like redid newspaper yeah. boxes and all that kind of stuff. And like that was their advertising, their marketing campaign to get people <laughs> to read their newspaper was to do television ads. 
in Keen here, for example, I, I, I keep seeing the Slantinal Run articles that I think I'm like, really? You just like went to like a website and regurgitated whatever mm-hmm. was published there. There's a, a restaurant that opened recently, and it was not quite plagiarized. But if you read the article in the Keen Sentinel, I looked and then, at that, yeah. and then you went to the website of the restaurant, they plucked it off the website. It's, I mean, it it would have taken me five minutes to read the website and then go Brrr, a story, right? So, like, to what, be fair though, I did hear about the website through the Sentinel story, hmm. not because I read the paper. I'm not a subscriber. I just you know it showed up on Google News or something like that, right? Okay. So I mean, that, and I also think that the Sentinel may be doing advertorials to some extent. I suspect, advertorials? Yeah, I suspect they're doing more Portmanteau, of that now. Portmanteau, look at you. This is, it's a term in the in the industry. Okay. Uh, you, I, I'm sure most listeners are familiar with the free daily, or not daily, but the free weeklies in their, in your area, oh, yeah, which yeah. are just straight up advertising, yeah. right? The, the, uh, the old terminology is you call them the fish wrapper because that's all they're good for. Yep. Uh, there, there's no actual news. It's just stories about the local businesses who paid them to write about them, right? right? And so... It seems like the Sentinel does a lot more business profiles these days than they used to. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, if that's yeah. the way they can get the bills paid, then good for them. I mean, I I have found out about new businesses in Keene because of their quote-unquote coverage of them. But that's just my suspicion in that case. But do you think that you would not have found out about these businesses at all without them? I think I would have heard about. I mean, we it's a small town, right? So you you know, word gets around about. So these you sort of you things. might have talked to people that would yeah. have told you about well, these businesses existing, especially if, for example, the food was any good. Yeah, yeah. What I'm getting at is the news. These stories are being published, mm-hmm. just not by the old ways. The yeah. news companies, the the old you know, well, the dinosaurs. The, well, and the thing is. They can let any story fall through the cracks as long as it doesn't support their narrative. Right. Because that's oh, yeah. the thing. Oh, well, they, they didn't tell you about, you know, this local event. It's like, well, does that convince you that global warming is real? Yeah. Do you well, think, then how uh, is it getting elected? people elected? Do, do you think the local fair needs the local newspaper to write an article about it in order for people to attend? No, because the fair does advertising for themselves. I think I saw one they of their have, bandit signs. They have a marketing campaign, yeah. right? You know, they put ads on the radio, whatever it is, right? They mm-hmm. don't need the local no, paper don't. to like be like, hey, everybody. But they, they do it, right? But that's just because it's a legacy thing to do. People used to need the monolithic news mm-hmm. because like... It was like before mass broadcast, mm. right? So they mm-hmm. needed this thing, and they needed people to like report on things and give them. The, now information is so readily available. There's so much of it for you to weed through that you really only need to take in what's important to you. So let's talk about downgrades, uh, Peakless. You had a story tonight about the AAA rating of what organization precisely? The had this triple A rating. That would be Fitch. I think it's the number Fitch three. Fitch gives the ratings. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it oh, oh, which organization whom? had the triple mm-hmm. yeah. A rating? Well, that would be the United States. The federal government That's of the United right. States? Okay. Yep. The, and this uh, is like U- a rating of creditworthiness? What yep, are they rating? Exactly. They're rating the USA's uh, credit uh, creditworthiness. Mm-hmm. And it used to be a triple uh, A rating and now is a double A plus rating. So no longer are we at the heady heights of, uh, of uh, say, Denmark. Now, hmm. now we are at about uh, a New Zealand-level credit rating. Okay. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, it could be worse. We could be as low as the European Union at their AAA, cause we've got, or their AA, because we've got a AA+. Plus. Oh, I see. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, this one's, this one's weird because... So in 2000, uh, in the 2008, uh, like the great financial crisis, uh, there were, again, there's like three big ones. That's Moody's, uh, S&P. Dun and Bradstreet. Yeah. Uh, see, I, I don't know about that one, actually. Mm, okay. uh, but, and uh, and, and uh, Fitch. And of the, of the big guys, only one of them reduced the American credit rating from AAA Two AA plus during that financial crisis. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And wouldn't you know it? In short order, the CEO of that company got fired. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you know it? Yeah, I actually heard about this on uh, Peter Saint Ange. She was reporting on this just a mm-hmm. couple days ago. Yeah, absolutely great. He's got a podcast, you know. He does. He, yep. he has a weekly roundup podcast. I love that. Who's not a news agency, by the way. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great point yeah yeah no he he does really great work well he takes uh he does like a three minute video cast every single day seven days a week mm-hmm. and then he puts it all together as a weekly podcast so mm-hmm. that's what he's doing there yeah it's fantastic yeah. work that he does mm-hmm. yeah i and, agree and the thing is that it's very very political like this mm-hmm. whole thing is entirely political that's why like wait you just had a giant collapse mm-hmm. you'd think Maybe you were less credit worthy there, but well, most everyone thinks you're just as credit worthy, and oh, the credit- one who doesn't, well, they got fired. Credit so. worthy meaning that these guys will pay on their debts, right? 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 right. <laughs> we well, think they'll pay, right? Which so so there's two parts of that, right? So there's the 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 nominal payment, which. Sure, absolutely. America will never miss a nominal payment. I am. I feel faith that you will get the number of dollars that you are owed. Mm-hmm. However, what will they be worth is the question. Right. That's the other side of mm-hmm. it is how much will those dollars actually be worth? Because the more they print money, the less those dollars are worth. Right. And the less people actually want to loan you money because you're printing more and more money. So it's, again, that Cantillion effect of like, okay, well, that was worth this much when I got it, but it won't be worth that when you get it. Mm -hmm. So by the time you actually pay these people off, well, if you've doubled the money supply, then it doesn't matter if you you got a nice hefty like 10% on on your loan there. It's meaningless. Right. Because you may as well have just stiffed them by half Mm -hmm. in the process. Right. So- the thing that this says to me is it's just a, a continuing marker of like the fall of the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. So I think this has a lot more to do with uh, what BRICS is doing than what, with what America is doing. And we don't really know what they're doing quite yet. They're, uh, we talked about BRICS a couple nights ago on the show. They've got a annual meeting coming up in about three weeks where it's rumored, apparently, that they're planning on admitting some new BRICS members, which already BRICS has 42%. Not yet. We got to secede first. <laughs> well, uh, no, can't we secede by joining BRICS? That's an interesting question. But uh, already they have forty-two percent of the world's population under the the five BRICS countries right now. Mm-hmm. How much? Forty-two percent. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah forty-two percent, and that's just wow. with those ones. And there's China and India have a more and than there's a billion like people. of course, yeah. but. And there are a lot of people who have, like, uh, there are a lot of countries who have expressed interest, and I think it's like 22 of them that have officially applied for membership in Something this Something like that, yeah. 
so it's wild and, and and that's the thing i think that they're i think that the, that this shows that fitch is like looking for the exit on their mm. their dependence on america you just heard highlights from the latest episode of free talk live you can download full episodes subscribe to our podcast listen live and more all for free at freetalklive.com